0: I hope you're all doing so well, and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today, we are going to be talking about the case of Diazan Hossenkoft. So, Diazan Hossenkoft, unusual name, I know, but wow, wow, this man is unbelievable, because you are never, ever going to believe what Diazen said about himself. Diazen was a man who claimed he was a 2,000 year old alien who had been sent here to earth to save the world. But not only was Diazen a 2,000 year old alien, he had also discovered the cure to cancer and the secret to eternal life. Sounds incredible, but was any of this true? Of course not, because Diazen was one of the biggest con men I have ever come across. And this case is just bizarre, beyond belief. This case is all over the place because we have reptilian queens, we have UFOs, samurai swords, stolen babies, multiple affairs, and there's just a lot of people coming in and out of this case. It's kind of hard to keep track of. But one significant woman to today's case is a woman called Linda Henning, who truly did believe that Dyers and Hosenkoft was an alien sent to save the world, and she became completely wrapped up in his spell. And unfortunately, this ended in absolute tragedy, involving a woman named Girly Chew who got caught up in all of this craziness and would sadly be the main victim of today's case. This case truly is the definition of a roller coaster. I know I say that a lot, but today's case is a lot, so it's going to get confusing. Just prepare yourselves for that, and let's dive in. So Diaz and Hossenkoft wasn't even born with the name Diazen Hossenkoft. He was actually born Armando Chavez, but he went by Armand. But I am just going to call him Diazen, otherwise it's just going to get so confusing. And he was born on the 5th of March 1965, making him a Pisces. He grew up in Houston, Texas, where he lived with his mom, his dad, and his older sister. Now, Diazen, when he was a child, there were some significant things that happened. First of all, when he was six years old, he was taken away from his mother. So his parents got divorced, and his dad took the kids. And his dad got remarried, so Diazan had a new stepmom. He also had step-siblings. And Diazen would actually never see his mom again from the age of six. And Diazen, because of this situation that he found himself in, he completely rebelled against his stepmom. And throughout the rest of Diazen's childhood, he was a complete nightmare for the family. And then by the time he became a teenager, another significant thing happened. Because one day, whilst he was playing high school football, Diazen suffered a severe head injury. He had to be airlifted to a hospital. He spent four days in hospital. And following this head injury, it is said that Diazen was never the same. His personality literally overnight just changed. Even though he rebelled against his family, he was still sweet and caring. But after this head injury, he was just completely cold and shut off. He also became very manipulative and he has been described as almost sociopathic. And then at the age of 16, Diazon left home, which is incredibly young for someone to leave home voluntarily. He wasn't kicked out or anything, and he would never speak to his family ever again. And I wish I could tell you more details about why he moved out, why he didn't like his family so much, and also where he went, because I don't know where he went, because he was only 16. So following high school, Diazern went to the Notre Dame University in California to study for an undergraduate degree in In chemistry. And whilst he is at university, Diazern, age 20, entered into one of the first of many relationships in this. And the first relationship that we need to speak about is with 23-year-old Rosemary. And within no time, they were married and went on to have a child together. Now, in this relationship, a few things became apparent to Rosemary very quickly. And the first thing was that Diazon was a massive liar. He was one of those people that would just lie about everything. Even things that are so small. And it's like, why are you even lying about that? But most of the time, Diazon's lies would be about himself, like about his past, about how well he was doing at university. Because Diazon, he was pretty intelligent, but he wasn't like top of the class or anything. But he would lie to everyone and say, oh, I'm top of the class. I'm getting this grade and this grade. So the majority of Diazon's lives would be to make himself look good. And then another significant thing that Rosemary quickly figured out was that Dyson had quite a few very strange habits. Now, I'm not shaming anybody for doing anything, but... um. This definitely made my skin crawl. Because Rosemary would often come back from work and she would find Diazen in the bathtub drawing his own blood. I'm always funny with blood anyway, but I'm just like, oh God, I can't. He was obsessed with his own blood, but also other people's. He would often spend hours in the bathtub, just there chilling with so many needles around him, drawing his own blood just for the fun of it. Another thing that is definitely not strange, it is concerning. Diazen would sometimes talk to Rosemary that he knew how to murder somebody and get away with it. He would say to Rosemary, yeah, I could murder somebody and just put their body in chemicals and the chemicals would dissolve that person's body and no one would know. And also there's a way to say things like, yeah, we kind of do know that you can do that. But the way Diazen was saying it was almost like he wanted to do that and he could do that and he would be able to get away with it. And then at some point later down the line, Diazan said to Rosemary that she should take life insurance out and make Him, the sole beneficiary. I'm sorry, if somebody has just told you, I know how to murder somebody and get away with it, and then they say to you, oh, you should take out life insurance. Run for the hills. And thankfully, after three years of marriage, that is exactly what Rosemary did. So Rosemary and their child, because don't forget that Dyson does have a child, Rosemary and their child, they ran, and Dyson never saw either one of them again. And honestly, I think Rosemary had a lucky escape. That is all I'm going to say. So after his marriage to Rosemary, Diazon is now in his mid-twenties and he's just graduated from university. He has an undergraduate degree in chemistry and he wants to become a doctor because, you know, the prestige and the reputation that comes with being a doctor, that is what he wants. So he needs to apply to medical school. However, unfortunately, Diazen didn't get the grades for medical school. But was that a problem for Diazen? No, no, of course it wasn't. Because Diazen being the manipulator and the con man that he is, he forged his transcripts and managed to get himself a place in medical school. It's like, how the hell is this allowed to happen? So he starts medical school and he is attending the University of Utah. And just like his relationship with Rosemary, some very strange things start to occur. Diazen, with his obsession with blood, would go around the students in his medical school and he would ask them if he could draw their blood. Now, is this common in medical school? I feel like I'm going to go out on a limb here and say no. However, some of the students that he asked agreed to have their blood drawn by him. So, oh my God, does that actually happen? Does it happen? I hope it doesn't. Don't let anyone take your blood. Don't, don't, don't. But Diazern was also caught on multiple occasions stealing needles and medical supplies. He was also caught on occasions Doodling swastikas. That's not something that you doodle. That's not something that you draw at all. And on top of all of that, because, you know, he wants attention and sympathy, he would go around telling everybody that his wife, Rosemary, and his child died in a car crash. He made up this whole sob story that Rosemary was coming to pick him up from university and he felt responsible because she was picking him up from university. But they died in a car crash and everyone felt so sorry. For him, everyone was giving him attention and sympathy. Because, of course, she would, because you would believe a story like that. Because who makes up stuff like that? But he was actually just too afraid to say why she really left him. And that is that he was a creep. He had some pretty strange habits. And Dyson also cheated on Rosemary. I forgot to say that. But yeah, he just treated Rosemary like absolute crap. But he wasn't going to admit to that, was he? And then another thing that became apparent to people quite early on when he was at medical school is that Dyson had a temper. He would fly off the handle and get angry so quickly. And most of the time he would get angry when people would question his intelligence. He didn't like that. No, no, no. He would also get really angry when people didn't respect him because, you know, Diazon, he deserves respect from everyone, doesn't he? Not. And also, probably the thing that really pushed his buttons the most was when anyone even insinuated that he wasn't good enough to become a doctor. So Diazen being a medical student, he was doing some part-time work at a hospital. And he became quite friendly with one of the patients that he was seen to, who was a woman called Paula. So Paula Young was being treated for depression and she became really close with Diazan. Diazen turned on the charm and after she left hospital she actually wanted to hire Diazen to permanently help her out around the house and just kind of be company and help her out with her mental health and everything. And something that Diazen did as part of his job was prepare Paula's meals. And he was doing this for a very long time. Paula was very happy with the service that Diazan was providing. But then one day, Diazern prepared her meal and he was very insistent that she eat all of her vegetables. And Paula was eating this meal and she was thinking, these vegetables taste a little bit weird. They taste sour. And she didn't want to eat the vegetables because they didn't taste very nice. But Diazen was insistent. He was like, you need to eat your vegetables. So Paula, wanting to please Diazem because they had grown pretty close, she ate all of her vegetables. Not too long after, Paula started experiencing a severe burning sensation. She was having terrible diarrhea and vomiting. And she had to be rushed into hospital and she was in an intensive care unit. And it was discovered that she had severe organ failure of her kidneys, her liver, and her heart. And after being operated on, it was discovered that Paula was poisoned with arsenic, which is obviously incredibly dangerous, and Paula was given a very high dose of arsenic, so she literally could have died. And you're probably thinking, okay, it's very clear right now that diazon poisoned her, and this is exactly what Paula thought as well, which broke her heart because... I think she'd actually kind of fallen in love with Diazen. But she couldn't deny that Diazan had clearly done something to her food. And Diazen was investigated, but there was no evidence found that he had poisoned her food. But it's like, where else was she going to get arsenic from? Who else could have done this? And the police, which is truly so frustrating, because Paula did suffer with depression... They just thought that it was attempted suicide. So they just completely wrote her off and didn't really even look into it anymore. And Diazen just got away with this. And I don't know why Diazen did this. Like, what the hell did Paula do? As far as I'm aware, she didn't really do anything. And I feel like it was almost Diazen seeing what he could do to get away with murder. So now we jump to the early 90s, and Diazin has been kicked out of medical school. And why has he been kicked out of medical school? Well, it was discovered that he forged his transcripts to get into medical school in the first place. So Diazen's dreams of becoming a doctor are over, or are they? No, because Diazen didn't care that he had been kicked out of medical school. He was going to be a doctor in some way, shape or form. But we'll obviously get back to that in a second. But pretty much straight away after being kicked out of medical school, Diazen decided that he was ready for a change. He didn't want to be Armand Chavez anymore. He wanted a new name, a unique name. And this is when he came up with the name Diazen Hossenkoft, which is a very unique name. There is actually nobody else in the world with the surname Hossenkoft. And I'm not sure about the name Dyson. I, I don't know. But it's a very unique name. He was the only person in the world to be named that name, which is probably why he chose it. So January has been and gone, but it's never too late to start a New Year's resolution. And how about making yours now by switching to a deodorant that will leave you smelling fresh and clean from head to toe. Lumi is a game-changing whole body deodorant designed to work not only for your armpits, but also on your feet, legs, belly buttons, private areas, literally anywhere. And its pH balance formula makes it 100% safe to do so. But not just that, it's also clinically proven to control odor better than shower with soap alone. And whilst 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of about 6 out of 10. With Lumi, the average odor level is zero. So make the switch to Lumi, and this year will be all about head-to-toe confidence. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream deodorant tube, and two free products of your choice and free shipping. And as a special offer for all of you listening right now, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code criminalmakeup at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumi.com and use code criminalmakeup. But the apparent reason why Dyson chose the name Diazen Hossenkopf is because he thought that it sounded part German and part Japanese, who he believed were the master races. And he changed his name legally. He um, went through all the process and everything. So he actually is called Diazen Hossenkopf. And this is also when Dyson decided that he was ready to unleash havoc on the world. And this is where he meets his main victim, of today's story, because there's actually many victims in today's story. But we are now meeting his main victim, a woman called Gurley Chew. So Gurley Chu was born on the 27th of August, 1963. And she was born and lived in Malaysia, where she lived with her parents and her siblings. Now Gurley's family were her whole world to her. And she was incredibly close to her family. And she lived with her family up until the age of 30. At the age of 21, Gurley got a job at the Hong Kong Bank in Malaysia as a bank teller. And at the bank, she became best friends with a woman called Susan. And they were so close. They would do everything together. They would travel together. And they would often visit the US together. And I think we all know where this is going. So in 1992, Gurley and Susan were traveling to the US and they visited SeaWorld in San Diego. And this is when Gurley had the unfortunate, Experience. Of meeting Diazen Harsenkoft. And Diazen went over to Gurley, he introduced himself, he turned on the charm because he definitely knows how to do that when he needs to. And Gurley fell for him kind of straight away. And when Gurley returned home in Malaysia, Diazen would not leave her alone. He would send her so many love letters. And then pretty much out of the blue, Diazen proposed to Gurley. And Gurley, she had completely fallen for his charm. She said, Yes. And Diazon managed to convince Gurley to move to the US, leave her family, especially her parents, who she was so close to, behind in Malaysia. And in the beginning of 1993, Gurley got on a plane. She was met by Diazan at the other end, who was holding a $7,500 engagement ring. But of course, Diazon liked to portray that he was rich and wealthy and that he was a doctor. And then just eight days later, Gurley and Diazen were married. So after they are married, Gurley and Diazen move to Albuquerque in New Mexico. And that is where the rest of today's case takes place. Gurley gets a job as a bank teller. And right now, initially in the beginning of their relationship, it was pretty good. Gurley thought that she had met the man of her dreams. She had this dream life because Diazen seemed to have a lot of money doctor salary kind of money. So they never had to worry financially. They always had the latest cars. They lived in a nice home. And Diazan had told Gurley that he had graduated from some of the most prestigious universities in the US. He told her that he had a ton of degrees from places like Cornell. He also said that he graduated from a university in Tokyo. And on top of all of that, he told Gurley that he was a thoracic surgeon. That was his job. Which I didn't know what thoracic was, okay? I'm not very clued into medical terminology. And it just means chest, like heart, lungs that kind of area, like that kind of surgery. And Diazen didn't just tell Gurley all of this absolute BS. He told the world all of this. He wanted the world to believe that he had all of these degrees from all of these different universities. And no one really questioned him, like no one, because I suppose if someone tells you a doctor, you don't say, well, show me your degrees, show me all of this. I mean, maybe you do if you're actually seeing them as a doctor. But I mean, if you're just in casual conversation with someone and they say that they're a doctor, you tend to believe them. And this is the point in Dyson's life when he just completely became a con man. Because he already kind of was a con man before this, but this is where it just goes into overdrive. And this is when Dyson meets 72-year-old Sonny Blake. Now, Sonny Blake was a very wealthy heiress. And she was living a very good life. And then she got the absolute tragic news in 1993 that she had breast cancer and her breast cancer was quite advanced and it was going to shorten her life expectancy, which is just truly just horrible. And Sunny wanted some company for the rest of her life. She wanted to have some fun. So she placed an ad in a local newspaper that said, wealthy woman Looking for lover. I feel like I would have chosen possibly different words to that because if you put wealthy woman or wealthy anybody, people are going to obviously call, aren't they? And Diazen, being the con man that he is, saw this ad in the newspaper and thought jackpot. So Diazen essentially pounced on Sonny, who was very vulnerable. So after a few little dates or whatever you want to call them, Diazen started to talk to Sonny that he was a cutting edge geneticist. And he had invented a serum that eradicated breast cancer. Diazan is claiming that he has found a cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. But not just that, he also said to Sunny, he also has access to the fountain of youth. Well, he didn't say that, but he said that he also has a serum that could reverse aging. Now, Sunny, she did have advanced breast cancer. She wanted to hear something like this. Diazen saying that he had a cure for breast cancer was music to her ears. So Sunny made Diazen her doctor. And obviously because Sonny was very wealthy, she paid him a lot of money because these treatments, the cure for cancer, and the reversing aging serum were a lot of money. And Diazen started giving Sunny all of these bogus treatments. He started injecting her with the cure for cancer, which was actually just vitamin B shots. He also started injecting her with the anti-aging serum. And get this, Diazan was injecting Sunny with his own blood. It's like, are you being serious? Diazen was literally drawing blood out of his arm and injecting it straight away into Sunny. Now, surely this is dangerous. What the hell? But Diazon claimed that he had the anti-aging properties in his blood. And because he was in his blood, he needed to inject Sunny with his blood. Does that make sense? And Diazon was charging Sunny 25 thousand dollars a month for these bogus treatments. And then just to really top everything off, Diazen started to tell Sonny a sob story. The same sob story that he was telling everyone when he was at medical school, that his wife and child died. But Diazen, being the very advanced, innovative geneticist that he is, he wanted to bring his daughter back to life because he had saved one single strand of her hair after the car crash. And he was going to genetically recreate his daughter in a science lab. And Sunny, unbelievably, believed this substory. She actually believed that Diazon could bring his daughter back to life. Now, you might be thinking, what is the point in this substory? Like, where is he going with this? Well, of course, Diazon had a vision. So he started really piling it on thick on Sunny, saying, oh, when my daughter gets here, I don't know where we will live. I need a new home. And Sunny decided that she wanted to buy Diazon and his daughter a new home to live in. So she bought Diazon a house. I know. But on top of that, she also gave him $500,000. But what is just so tragic about this story with Sunny is that because she had turned her back on traditional medication, traditional doctors, and actually treatments that could have helped her, Diazon was treating her for two years with vitamin b shots and of course this is going to do absolutely nothing for her breast cancer and Sonny's children were trying to intervene they were trying to get diazine away from their mom because they could see that he was literally killing her but it was too late and Sonny passed away from her breast cancer. And it's just so tragic to think of how Sunny's life could have turned out if she actually went to a real doctor. And Diazan got what he wanted out of that relationship with Sunny because he got a new home, a nicer home than he was already living in, plus $500,000. So we're a couple of years into the marriage of Diazen and Girlie at this point. And Diazen had a lot of money, but did he use any of this money on Gurley? Of course he didn't. He decided that he wanted to live a bachelor lifestyle. So he would travel the world. He would go to Hawaii, Canada, the Caribbean. And this was all to perform his surgeries all over the world. He is a world-renowned surgeon. He's that good. But obviously he is not performing surgeries. Oh no, he's just basically having multiple affairs. And Diazern would use his money to charm women. He would also con these women out of a lot of money themselves. He was essentially the tinder swindler before the tinder swindler, which is kind of like Malcolm Webster. Do you remember that case? I did that case last year. Dyson and Malcolm, I feel like they would probably get along. And it was around this time that Gurley found out something devastating, and that is that she couldn't have children. And she really wanted children, but she couldn't. But Dyson told her not to worry about this. He would fix this. I mean, he can perform miracles. He can do whatever he wanted. So Gurley thought, okay, so So maybe we adopt a child, maybe go down that avenue. But Diazem was like, "Uh uh-uh. Mm -mm. no way, I'm not adopting. I want a child of my own. And he had a completely sick and twisted plan on how he was going to do this. So in 1995, Diazen was on one of his business trips to Canada when he met a 28-year-old Japanese woman called Naoko. And when Diazen found out that Naoko was Japanese, he was like, this is the woman I'm going to have a child with. Because remember, he thinks that people from Germany and Japan... Are the master races. And Naoko didn't really have a say in this. Um, this was not her plan. So Diazen, just like everyone else, he turns on the charm. He gets into a relationship with Naoko, and it wasn't long until she was pregnant. Naoko is completely swept off her feet by Diazen. She believes this whole doctor, he's a surgeon story, he's really wealthy, he'll take care of me and our child. So Diazen keeps up this relationship with Naoko while she is pregnant, and then he arrives in Canada to see the birth of his child. Now what he goes on to do next is completely unforgivable because after the birth, Diazon had some devastating news for Naoko. He told Naoko that he had a rare genetic disorder that ran in his family that everyone in his family would have and therefore Diazan had passed on this rare genetic disorder to their child, meaning that their child would need lifelong medical care. And Diazen said that there was pretty much only one person in the whole world that could give their child this medical care. And who was that? I don't even need to give you two guesses, do I? Because it was Dr. Diazen Hossenkoft. He manipulated Naoko into thinking that if she didn't hand over her or their child to him, The child would die and Naoko felt like she had no other choice so she handed over her child to Diazen and Diazen took the baby away and Naoko would never see her own child ever again. Following this Diazen flew to Mexico with the baby and then he smuggled the baby into the US and he arrived home to Gurley with a baby. He told Gurley that he had adopted the child from an adoption agency, and Gurley, for some reason, didn't ask too many questions. She believed him, and they named the child Dimitri. Gurley and Diazem would now raise Dimitri, and Gurley had no idea this child was biologically Diazen's. So like I said in the intro, he has literally just stolen a baby. So we now get to mid-1996 and Gurley and Diazen have been raising the stolen baby for a few months now and diazen decided that he was bored he was bored with his life and he needed to find another vulnerable woman to take advantage of and this is when we meet hairstylist Kimberly Glasgow and when Diazen met Kimberly he gave her the usual charm he's this doctor he's very wealthy he's found a cure for cancer he can make you look young however with Kimberly he decided to mix it up a bit he decided to go one step further with his little fake backstory because he told 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 Kimberly that he was dying because he had leukemia. You know what really baffles me about this case is that he goes around and tells everyone that he has a cure for cancer, that he can cure you, but he has leukemia but somehow he can't cure himself. It's like why does no one question this? And I just think it's absolutely disgusting. It's like who the hell jokes about cancer? Like it's just oh my god, it really annoys me. So the two of them start dating because Kimberly, like everybody else, is completely swept off her feet by Diazern. I just don't know how Diazern seems to charm so many people. How do these people not see through him? So from the get-go with his relationship with Kimberly, he is a creep. And this is where we start to get to some pretty Disturbing sexual predator behavior. Oh god, he just oh he annoys me so much. So he starts telling Kimberly that he needs to perform a physical medical examination on her 14-year-old daughter. Her daughter is involved in sports or something. I don't quite know the story, but she needed a physical. And Diazen said that he would do it. So Kimberly trusted Diazen, so she got her daughter to. a physical by him, and Diazan got her 14-year-old daughter to get undressed in front of him, and he just stared. At her naked body but the thing is it doesn't stop there oh no because kimberly had other children and she had two sons aged 10 and 12 and diazon one day took out syringes and started drawing their blood but diazon was like i have leukemia your sons may be compatible with their blood they may be able to save my life and i just don't understand why the relationship didn't end right there and then because it didn't. Kimberly kept on dating Dyson after both of these very creepy, disturbing incidences with her children. So they're still dating. And then Dyson starts to do exactly the same with Kimberly as he did with Rosemary, his first wife. He started telling Kimberly that he knows how to kill somebody and get away with it. And Kimberly still doesn't end the relationship after hearing that. Oh no, unbelievably, this little affair with Kimberly lasted for two years. timeline for this case i will admit is very confusing because a lot of these women that he goes through they do overlap but obviously i'm kind of just breaking them down woman by woman so bear that in mind now The thing that was different with this affair, though, is that Gurley found out. Gurley has started to figure out that not all is as it seems with her husband. She is starting to figure out that Diazen is a dangerous man, someone that you shouldn't mess with. And Gurley decided to show up at Kimberly's place of work, not to have a go at her, not to be angry, but to warn her. And Gurley also says to Kimberly, please don't tell Diazen that I have come to visit you, because if he finds out, he will Kill me. And after this little confrontation, Kimberly is left so shocked because she didn't know that Diazen was married. So she pretty much straight away confronts Diazen and says, are you married? And Diazen immediately goes on the defensive and he's like, who told you that? Who told you? And Kimberly, she didn't say that it was girly that visited her, but she did say that a woman had visited her at work. And it wasn't that hard for Diazen to realize that the woman was girly. So the affair between Kimberly and Diazon ended after this. However, the trouble was now only just beginning for Gurley because Gurley had messed up this affair. Diazon knew that it was Gurley that had gone to Kimberly and he was going to make Gurley pay. And this is when Diazon starts to abuse Gurley. Diazon arrives home and he pulls out a bottle of alcohol and he gets incredibly drunk, and he flies into a rage at Gurley. He starts calling Gurley a bitch, a liar, and a fraud. And I'm just like, (laughs) What? The audacity, literally the audacity. And then he starts pushing Gurley around and hitting her and kicking her before he grabbed Gurley in a headlock and repeatedly punched her in the face. And Diazen's grip on Gurley's neck was so strong that she almost passed out. But he just kept punching her face over and over again until eventually a tenant called Shelly because apparently they have a tenant living in their house. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? So Shelly comes out of her room to see this because she can hear what is going on. And you would think Diazen being confronted by another person, he would stop. But oh no, he doesn't stop. He actually just drags Gurley into their bedroom, shuts the door and carries on the attack. He threw Gurley into a dresser which fell on top of her. Their two-year-old son, Dimitri, is also in that room. And I know he's only two years old, but he is watching this, he is witnessing this, and this would be affecting him. He is taking this in. So Shelley, the tenant, is in a huge panic right now. She runs next door to get help. And the next door neighbor is, 75-year-old Pedro. Shelly also calls the police, but Pedro goes over to the home to intervene. And Pedro enters the bedroom and he sees Diazan with Girlie's head repeatedly banging her head against the wall. Now, Pedro, he's 75, and he was so brave to do this, he actually stepped in between them to save Girly, and Girly managed to get away, and Pedro shouted to her, "Girly, run to my house. And by this time, the police had arrived, and when the police went to check on Girly, she was in a pretty bad way. Her lip was cracked, it was bleeding, there was bruising already appearing, there was strangulation marks on her neck, and there was also a a huge cut down the side of her leg. Now, Diazem was immediately arrested and he was charged with domestic violence, aggravated battery, and assault. And by the time the case went to trial, all of the charges were dismissed. I don't really know why. Maybe Gurley wasn't cooperating with the police or they didn't have enough evidence. I don't know, but they were dropped and Diazem has gotten away with this attack on Gurley. So we now get to August of 1998. This is approximately a month after the affair with Kimberly ended and also about a month after the violent attack on Gurley. Dyson decides that it's time to find a new victim. Mm -hmm. Yep, he wants another woman. And this is when he meets 50-year-old Julie. Now, Julie was recently divorced and in her marriage, she had suffered terrible terrible domestic abuse. And she was looking to start her life again. So she posted an ad on an online dating site. And this is 1998. This is like the beginning of the internet. So I don't even know what dating, online dating would have looked like back then. But she posted an ad. And Diazen, he seems to be able to spot vulnerable women from a mile away. So he pounced. And he quickly introduced himself. He was like, I'm this amazing doctor. I'm this amazing surgeon. I work for the NSA. He has a master's degree from Stanford University. He owns his own lab. He also went with the substory story that his wife died in a car crash. But not just that, his wife died on the operating table when Diazon himself was operating on his own wife. So he was a single dad, really struggling. He was also a helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's a man of many talents. And his father was German and his mother was Japanese. Which of course, all of that is a load of lies. And Diazon would bring his son, Dimitri, when he went on a date with Julie to really manipulate Julie. And of course, Diazon was now going to use Dimitri as a pawn in his game. And Diazan started to come out with this very bizarre story about how he made his son Dimitri. He said that Dimitri was one of 12 boys that were genetically engineered in a lab by the NSA. It literally just sounds like Stranger Things, like literally. And and sperm had been used to fertilize 12 eggs from 12 different women, and then they literally just grew these children in a lab. And Julie, she believed this. And it's actually ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know how so many people believe all of his lies. And Julie really trusted Diazen, but she started to open up to Diazen that she felt like she was getting old and she was restarting her life, but she felt like she'd missed out on so much and she didn't want to get old. And I think we all know where this is going. And Diazen was like, well, you don't need to get old. I have this youth serum. I can reverse aging. And this was music to Julie's ears. She was like, oh my God, this is exactly what i want diazen told julie that he had stolen this youth serum from the NSA, and this serum could make her look young forever and this serum usually cost 32000 dollars per injection but diazen being the upstanding citizen he decided that he would give julie a 90% discount and only charge her 3200 dollars per injection. However, she would need multiple injections over six years for it to work. But Julie didn't care about the price. This is what she wanted. And she was like, sign me up. However, there was one more twist in the tale. Because Dyson had stolen this serum from the NSA, he had stolen approximately $1.8 billion worth of this serum. And because it was stolen, Julie couldn't tell anyone about it. And also because Dyson had stolen this serum, the NSA were out to kill Oh, and the NSA were also apparently trying to kill all 12 of those children that they grew in the lab, meaning that Demetrius' life was also at risk. It really does sound like Stranger Things, doesn't it? I wonder if the Duffer Brothers looked at this case for inspiration because this literally does sound like Stranger Things and 11. So now we need to get back to Gurley and it was just entering 1999. Diazen had been dating Julie for approximately six months and he was making a hell of a lot of money from Julie and by this point the domestic abuse towards Gurley had gotten worse. It was getting worse and worse as time was going by and Gurley still believed that Diazen was a doctor, that he was flying all around the world to perform Surgeries. At this point, Gurley knew that her husband was an abuser and also was having multiple affairs, but she didn't know that her husband was also a con artist. She didn't know that he was lying about pretty much everything. However, this is when she finds out that he is lying about pretty much everything. In their home, there was a room that was always locked. That was Diazen's room. No one but Diazen was allowed to enter that room. And for the Six years of their marriage so far, Gurley had always respected that. She probably thought that those were his patient's files in that room. That was confidential. However, she'd had enough. She knew that something dodgy was going on with her husband. She kind of could see the cracks forming and she decided to enter the locked room. And this is when she pretty much found out everything because in that locked room was all of the evidence of what Diazen was doing. She found out that he wasn't even born with the name Dyson Hossenkoft. She also found out that he wasn't a real doctor. She also found files on the women that he was conning. She found out about his youth serum and all stuff like that and that he had a cure for cancer and that he didn't actually have cancer himself. She found out pretty much everything. The only thing that she didn't find out is that Dimitri wasn't adopted. He was stolen. That is the only thing that she didn't find out about. But I can't even imagine what was going on in Girlie's mind as she was in this room going through all of these documents. Her whole world must have been completely falling around her because her whole marriage, her whole life, those six years of her life were... A complete lie. And Gurley thought, you know what? I've had enough. I don't want to be involved in any of this anymore. And she confronted Diazon about what she had found out. And oh God, if I could just go back in time, I would have said, Gurley, just get out. Just get out. Don't confront him. Pack your bags, get your son and leave. But she confronted Dyson and he is a very angry person and he flew into a rage. And Diazan started to turn the situation around on her and said that she had betrayed him his trust by going into his room. It's just like, oh my god, it's so hypocritical. It makes me so, so angry. Oh my god. He also said to Gurley that she was going to pay for this. She was going to pay for betraying his trust. And a few days later, he decided that he was going to take his revenge. So they're watching TV, and Diazen all of a sudden turns to Gurley and tells her that she needs to drive downtown tomorrow to pick up a food menu from a hotel. And she must drive on on the freeway to get to downtown. And I'm just like, this is a very random request. Why do you need a food menu? But regardless, Gurley agreed, because she was probably scared of him. She was like, yeah, okay, I'll agree. Keep you happy. Dyson then leapt up off the sofa, and he said that he was going to get some juice. Like, just just don't mind me. Go to get some juice. But he actually went to the garage, and he was gone for a while, and Gurley could hear a lot of noise coming from the garage. There was a lot of banging noises. So Gurley decided to go and investigate what was going on, and she found Dyson loosening her tire on her car. That is why Diazen wanted to make sure that Gurley would drive on the freeway so she was going at a pretty fast speed. Her tyre would come off and he was essentially planning on killing her but hoping that it clearly would look like an accident and she immediately started to say to Diazen, what the hell are you doing? Diazen again flew into a rage. He launched at Gurley and threw her on the floor just in front of the car and he attempted to start punching her but thankfully Gurley managed to get away and She pushed the button to open the garage door and she managed to roll under the garage door and she managed to run to the neighbor's house, Pedro, the 75 year old. And she was banging on his door. Pedro immediately let her in because he knew what was going on in that house. And Gurley was in a state. She was like, help me please. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. I don't know what to do. The police again were called. The police then arrive and Gurley tells the police everything and the police agree to escort Gurley home to pick up some belongings. And from that moment on, Gurley would actually never return home. And she didn't take their son, Dimitri, with her. She was trying to. She actually really wanted to take Dimitri with her, but Diazun wouldn't let her. And Diazem wasn't about to let Gurley get away with this. He was going to make her pay. So following this, Gurley moved out. She moved into an apartment and she basically hid there in secret. She did not tell anyone where she was living, apart from a couple of people at work that needed to know. And we will come back to Gurley, but now we need to talk about Dimitri. Because Gurley was fighting for custody of their three-year-old son, but she did eventually lose the battle and Dimitri stayed in Diazen's care. So Diazen is still carrying on his affair with Julie, and Diazen would literally just drop Dimitri off at Julie's all the time. And Julie was looking after Dimitri so often. And when Julie was looking after Dimitri, Dimitri... Oh god, it's heartbreaking what he was like. When Julie would speak to Dimitri, Dimitri would also rarely speak. But when he did speak, he was almost speaking in a robotic way, not like a child at all. A lot of the time Dimitri was very spaced out, just not quite there. Julie also found needle marks in between Dimitri's toes and also track marks up his arm. So Julie did think that Diazen was drugging Dimitri. That is why he was always so spaced out. And then finally, and this is really, really hard to hear, Julie, when she was looking after Dimitri one time, she would notice bruises around his temples. And when she asked Dimitri, how did you get those bruises on your temples? Dimitri said himself, quote, daddy's pinch. And then also one time when Julie was changing Dimitri, she noticed that his rectum was swollen, and there was also a red rash on his pelvic area. And that is all I know, but it definitely suggests possible sexual abuse, and he's also being physically abused. And this was the final straw for Julie. She immediately called social services to report physical and sexual abuse, and an investigation was opened into Dimitri, and Julie kept asking Dimitri, what happened to you? What happened? But Dimitri would not say anything. So Julie actually had a psychologist as a friend and she spoke to her friend about Dimitri and how she should talk to him, how she should maybe get him to open up. And the psychologist said to her that Dimitri was not going to open up because Diazan had pretty much programmed Dimitri to not talk about the abuse. So they said what Julie needed to do was to get Dimitri a teddy bear and to give that teddy bear to Dimitri and say to Dimitri, Look, this teddy bear is your friend and this teddy bear needs looking after because this teddy bear has been hurt by their mom and dad. This teddy bear is a little boy just like you and will you take care of him? And Dimitri immediately took this teddy bear and this... Oh God. (sighs) Dimitri immediately took this teddy bear and looked after this teddy bear because he could understand that this teddy bear had been abused and Dimitri said to this teddy bear, God, sorry, Dimitri said to this teddy bear, no more heart, we safe, no worry now. And this just absolutely broke Julie's heart because this was essentially confirming That Dimitri was being abused because he saw himself in that teddy bear. So there is a lot going on right now. Girlie is literally in hiding. We have just learned that Dimitri is being abused by Diazen. Julie does stay with Diazen, by the way, and she's only staying with Diazen to keep an eye on Dimitri. On top of all of this, Diazen is dating and also conning quite a few other women. We just don't know their identity it is. He's also engaged to two other women as well, even though he's still married to Girlie. It's absolutely ridiculous. However, right now we actually need to introduce a very significant person in this case, which is a woman called Linda Henning. Linda Henning was born on the 10th of October 1953. She grew up in Hollywood and after high school she worked as a fashion model and she was doing pretty well with her life. Right now she is currently 45 years old. She is engaged to another man. However, it's said because of Linda's parents' relationship and their divorce, Linda has always had unrealistic expectations for relationships. So she kind of always struggled in her love life. But there is one key thing you need to know about Linda, and that is that she is a huge conspiracy theorist. She was obsessed with UFOs, and she also is convinced that the world is run by aliens. And in the summer of 1999, Linda was attending a UFO and a conspiracy theorist convention. And who did she happen to bump into? Of course, she bumped into dyson Hossenkoft. Because dyson we haven't really spoke about this yet, but he is also a huge conspiracy Conspiracy theorist. And this convention that they were both attending was being run by somebody called David. Ike. Now, do you guys know who David Ike is? So David Ike, I'm not going to go too much into him. You can Google him if you want, but he's a pretty well-known conspiracy theorist. He is convinced that the world is controlled by shape-shifting reptilian aliens. He thinks that the British royal family are aliens. They're reptiles. They are shape-shifters. He also thinks that the governments around the world are run by these reptilian aliens. He spreads a lot of conspiracy theories about a lot of different things. He spread a lot of theories surrounding a certain global event that happened not too long ago. And I'm not going to say the word because YouTube keeps restricting my videos and I don't want them to restrict this one. I'm already treading on dangerous territory speaking about conspiracy theories. So David Icke, He's British. I, I don't know why I didn't know he was British. He is an ex-football player. He played in the lower leagues in English football and he got injured quite early on in his career and then he decided to become a conspiracy theorist. So that is a very, very short biography on David Ike. Oh, and he once went on TV and said that he was the new messiah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So anyway, Linda and Dyson are at one of these conventions and they bump into one another and they immediately hit it off. And Dyson introduces himself as a 2,000 year old alien. It's like, what the hell? But I suppose if you are at one of these conventions, you could probably get away with that and people would believe you. But it gets crazier. It gets crazier than that. So the world is full of bad aliens and they're controlling the governments around the world and Dyson is a good alien. He is the only good alien of course and he has been sent to earth to kill the bad aliens and to save planet Earth. <laughs> of course, Diazon is always the hero in this story. And Linda believes him. She's lapping all of this up. And like I said, Linda is engaged to another man. But within two weeks of meeting Diazon, she leaves her fiancé, gets into a relationship with Diazon, and now they're engaged. It's ridiculous. And Diazon now has three fiancés, and a wife. And once Linda enters into a relationship with Diazan, her whole personality completely changes. It's said that she stopped changing her clothes. She stopped taking care of herself, her personal hygiene. She cut off most of her friends and family. She would only ever see her friends and family when she was trying to sell them dysons anti-aging serum. Diazon had complete control over her. She was completely under his spell. She truly believed that dyson was this 2,000 year old reptilian alien. However, now we need to get back to Gurley, who has been hiding out in her apartment. And it's at this point when she actually starts the divorce proceedings and she was seeking half of everything that dyson had. I mean, good for her. She was also trying to win custody of their son, Dimitri. And when Diazon Found out that she was trying to take half of his money and she was also going after custody. He was so angry. He actually started stalking her at work. But he would show up outside of her work, he would harass her, he would harass her co-workers. There would be occasions where Gurley would leave work and her car had been vandalized, and it was quite clearly Diazen. Diazon was arrested, but he was soon released with no charges. And it's just really sad that Gurley was doing everything right. She had left him, she was was hiding out. She never let anyone know where she lived. She was reporting him whenever he came to her work. He was arrested on multiple occasions and still nothing is done. Still no protection for Girlie. Also, Diazen still had custody of Dimitri. Social services hadn't looked into him. And Diazen is obviously engaged to Linda and also two other women, but it's really hard to keep up. But Diazen, he is now filling Linda's head with all of this nonsense that Girlie is dangerous. He started to tell Linda that Gurley was a bad alien. That she was an evil reptile queen that had been sent here to destroy Earth. And he was kind of insinuating that himself and Linda needed to do something about it. They were the only ones that could take down the evil reptile queen that was Girly Chu. So Diazen and Linda just started harassing Girlie together. And the only thing that Gurly could do at this point was wait. She was trying to take Diazen to court over the domestic abuse charges. She was trying to divorce him. She was also in a custody battle. And this is eight months after the original original domestic abuse incident and Gurley had started to confide in her co-workers about her husband. She told them that her husband was crazy and that if anything happened to her, if she was ever late to work, it was her husband. Her husband, Diazen, had gotten her and that they should phone the police straight away. Gurley even had an appointment with the FBI because the FBI were investigating Diazon over fraud charges. So Gurley went to the FBI to help them in their investigation, tell them everything that she could. Gurley was just waiting and waiting for her day in court to divorce him and also obviously to bring the charges against the domestic abuse. She was really hoping that Diazon would hopefully go to prison and that she would get custody of their son, Dimitri, and she could move on with her life. But sadly, Gurley's dying call would never come because diazon had an absolute terrible plan. So now we get to the 10th of September, 1999. Gurley was supposed to arrive at work like any other day and Gurley was always, always on time. However, on this day, Gurley was late to work. And after an hour or so, her co-workers started to get really worried. Because remember, Gurley had told them if she didn't turn up to work, her husband had done something. So immediately her co-workers phoned the police because they knew something was wrong. The police headed over to Gurley's apartment. And when they knocked on the door, no one answered. So they entered Gurley's apartment and... Her apartment was suspiciously clean. There was no sign of Gurley, but there was also an extremely strong smell of bleach. They also looked at the carpet and there was damp patches on the carpet like it had recently been steam cleaned. Now, to the human eye, there was nothing that anyone could see. However, using luminol, they saw that the apartment was covered in blood girlie was immediately reported missing and her apartment had now become a crime scene so the police start their investigation and who is their number one suspect well of course it is girlie's abusive husband Dyson. so the police head straight over to Dyson's home but he's not there the door is actually slightly ajar and the police enter and there is nothing in the home. And I mean nothing. He has moved out. He has gone. They started speaking to neighbours and the neighbor said that Diazen has been acting suspicious for the last few days. And then the night prior to Girlie's disappearance, one of the neighbours saw Diazen return home with camouflage clothes on and his face completely covered in dark grease. So now the police start the search for Diazen because he's kind of on the run. But then the police came across a name that was linked to Diazen recently, and that was the name of Linda Hemming. So the police were like, okay, let's go to Linda's home. Maybe she knows where Diazen is. Maybe he's even there with her. So when they went over to Linda's home, Diazen wasn't there, and the police brought Linda in for questioning, and she told the police everything that Diazen was a 2,000-year-old alien, that he was here to save the world. She also said that she was caring for Diazen because he was dying.
1: Melanoma, leukemia. I felt instinctively that he was dying and that he didn't have much time.
0: She also said that she knew nothing about Gurley's disappearance. She didn't even know Gurley. I didn't even give any
1: clues
0: whatsoever. So pretty much the police got absolutely nothing from Linda apart from a load of conspiracy theory stuff. So they let Linda go and then Linda went on the run, which I'm sorry, is suspicious. It's like, if she's innocent, why is she going on the run? And then a day later, a phone call had come in that a discovery was made on Highway 60 in New Mexico. Somebody traveling down the highway had come across a piece of tarp that was covered in blood and also had some clothes in the tarp. And it was found that the blood on the tarp belonged to Girly Chu, and it was also her clothes that were wrapped up in the tarp. They searched the area surrounding where this tarp was found, but Gurley was nowhere to be seen. And after making this discovery of the tarp and how much blood was on the tarp, they came to the conclusion that Gurley must be dead. There was so much blood on that tarp, it's unlikely that she was still alive. So now it had become a murder investigation. A few days go by, but Linda and Dyson are still nowhere to be found. And then all of a sudden, the police got multiple phone calls from multiple people that Diazen had been phoning so many people in his contact list making threatening calls. Now I don't know why Diazen was making these threatening calls and I also don't know what he was saying on these phone calls. But this was definitely a big mistake on Diazen's part because from these phone calls the police were able to trace where he was and they were able to trace him back to Charleston, South Carolina where Diazen was staying with another woman that he was dating and engaged to. This is a woman that we haven't brought up yet and her name was Cheryl and she is another completely innocent victim of Dyson's. She was completely under his spouse. She thought that she was in a relationship with Dyson, that they were engaged, ready to be married in a few months time, but he was scamming her, taking money off her. So when police arrive at her home, they storm in, they arrest Dyson, and they search his belongings and they find Girlie's photo ID, her address book, two vile of blood, a steam cleaner, and a gun. And this is when Cheryl found out that Diazan was wanted for the murder of his wife. And the police also quickly tracked down Linda as well. She hadn't gotten too far. So the police now have Diazan and Linda in custody. So the next thing the police do is obtain a search warrant for Linda's home. And what do they find in Linda's home? Well, they find a samurai sword. They also find a receipt for this sword that shows that this sword was bought the day before girlie's disappearance that is not a coincidence Mm-mm, no but this time as well the tests has been done from the crime scene at girlie's home and obviously there was a lot of blood that was found at the crime scene but it came back that girlie's blood was found in her apartment but also the blood of Linda, placing Linda at the crime scene. They also find one of Linda's hairs attached to the blood covered tarp that they found on the highway. And Gurley's body has still not been found at this point, but the police had enough evidence to charge both Diazen and Linda with the murder of Gurley Chu. So now two whole years pass and Gurley's body still hasn't been found. It is now 2002 and Diazan and Linda are finally going to trial. Now, Diazon actually pleaded guilty to first-degree murder to avoid the death penalty. So he didn't actually really have a trial. But Linda did not do the same thing. She pleaded not guilty. So Linda did go to trial. Now, let me tell you, this trial was a mess. You can watch some of it on YouTube. Not all of it, though, because obviously it was quite a long time ago. But oh my god, it is messy. Probably one of the messiest trials I've ever watched. Maybe apart from Daryl Brooks. But that is a completely different case, and why was this trial so messy? My God, you won't believe it when I tell you this because the star witness in defense of Linda was Dyson. Have you ever heard of such nonsense? Why the how the defense thought that it was a good idea to call a murderer? As a defense witness for Linda, I don't know what they were thinking. Diazan has just admitted to murder. He has also spent his entire life lying and being a con man. Why would anyone believe a word he says? But they call Dyson to the stand and he gives possibly the most bizarre testimony I have ever seen in my life.
1: Yes, where in the world indeed?
0: first, Diazon actually does say that Linda is completely innocent. She wasn't involved in the murder of Gurley. Did
1: Linda Henning have anything to do with the murder of Gurley Hassenkopf? No.
0: He said that he framed Linda for the murder.
1: Did you uh, put Linda Henning's blood in Gurley Hassenkopf's house? Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah, Dyson said that he set Linda up for the whole thing.
1: I already know that her DNA is planted there.
0: I know that because I put it there. And his little laugh that he does throughout his testimony. Oh my god. So we're
1: in the world did you get to experience for all of us? <laughs> Yes, we're in a world indeed.
0: His whole demeanor, everything about him is creepy. I have never known anything like it. He also said the most bizarre things and disturbing things that I think I've ever heard someone say. He said murder is a sticky business. Murder
1: is a very sticky business. Yes, it is a very complex issue. You do these things so you get away with it. You plan a murder, you decide on murder, and you execute that strictly by the number.
0: He also said that he hunted Gurley like a dog.
1: She knew she was going to be hunted like the dog she was and Yes, she knew. Like a scared rabbit in an open field, she knew.
0: And he hoped that she suffered the most excruciating pain.
1: Hopefully, for my end of it, that she suffered the most excruciating pain known to mankind was what I was hoping for. I don't know that.
0: I just can't believe that he said this in trial. Why is he saying this? This really does show that he has
1: no remorse. This day I have no remorse, no pity, no sorrow. It's done complete. It's finished. And
0: then to just wrap up his testimony, he said that he didn't care if the court sentenced Linda to death. All they would be doing is killing his next victim.
1: I don't care whether or not you kill this woman. You want to put the needle in her arm, go ahead. The only thing that's going to happen here is that you're going to kill my next victim.
0: What does he mean by that? I don't know. Like, what the hell is he talking about? So that was Linda's defense, that Diazon had set her up, that he planted her blood at the crime scene, that he was responsible, that he was trying to pin it on Linda, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, Linda was found guilty.
1: We find the defendant, Linda Hending, guilty of first-degree murder, felony murder as charged.
0: She didn't receive the death penalty, and she was sentenced to 73 years in prison, and Diazon has in exchange for pleading guilty and avoiding the death penalty, he was sentenced to life in prison. Oh and there is one more person that was charged with involvement in this murder and it just gets so confusing. I didn't even know who this person was if I'm being completely honest. There was another person called Bill Miller that was also charged in connection with this murder and Bill Miller is apparently a friend of Diazen's. He also met Linda and Diazen at one of those conspiracy theorist conventions and in Linda's trial, Diazan blamed the murder on Bill Miller. There is no evidence that this Bill Miller did commit the murder. However, it was found that he was present at the crime scene. So he was charged with tampering with evidence and he received one year probation. But I don't even know who that Bill Miller was. I don't even know where he really fitted into the story, but obviously I had to tell you about it. But it is just so confusing this case. There are so many people involved. And then just one more thing to throw a spanner in the works. Diazen and Linda also cannibalized girlie's body. And they did this in order to dispose of the evidence. So it is rumored that they pretty much ate her whole body. I don't know if that is true. I don't know. There is definitely a lot of theories surrounding this case. Now, after the trial, Linda has continued to plead her innocence. She has given so many interviews.
1: Anything about aliens and all of this? Oh, well, I'm sure there'll be an alien or two on the witness stand. Sorry. Thanks a lot. Well, we'll try to keep the aliens out of the jury. Well, of course, I know what they don't want me to say. Bridges. Which is? I'm not going to say. I will only say that um, everybody's in for a real big surprise. The empire consumes all. The strong survive and the weak perish.
0: And she's still spouting some very crazy theories. So it's kind of hard to take her seriously when she's talking so much nonsense. But she still remains behind bars to this very day. So does Diazen. Diazen actually tried to appeal his sentence as recently as 2020. But the outcome of that appeal has... Has yet to be decided. However, the main question still remains, what happened to Gurley? Like what happened on that night? We don't actually know because her body still to this very day has never been found. The trial revealed nothing. Diazen has never told the truth about what has happened and neither has Linda. The best guess that the prosecution could come up with was that Diazen and Linda turned up at Gurley's apartment. They clearly found out where she was living. Possibly Bill Miller was there as well, who knows? And a struggle broke out between and Diazon, possibly Gurley and Linda. We obviously know that they bought a samurai sword and Gurley lost a lot of blood and maybe she died from her injuries or blood loss, we don't know. They then wrapped her body in the tarp that was found on the highway and then they disposed of her body in the New Mexico desert. And it's very likely that if that is what happened and her body was disposed of in the desert, it's very likely that wildlife has probably gotten to her body and it's unlikely that. That there is even still a body there to be found. And Girly Chu technically still to this day remains a missing person. However, there is one more question that we need to address. And I did see this question when I was doing my research, and I also had this question myself: which is, is Linda guilty? I mean, there is evidence to suggest that Linda is guilty of the murder of Girlie. I mean, her blood was found at the crime scene, her hair was found on the top. The samurai sword, possibly the murder weapon, was also found in her home. But how had- How reliable is this evidence? Because something that Diazen liked to do was collect blood from people, especially the women that he was seeing. So he had vials of Linda's blood. Is it possible that Diazen planted Linda's blood at the crime scene to frame Linda? It is also quite possible that he also planted the murder weapon at her home. He would have had access to her home. On top of this, Linda's friends and family have said that her personality completely changed when she was with Diazen. She was completely brainwashed by him and it is also suspected that Diazen was drugging Linda. And that definitely 100% sounds like Diazan. Now, I'm not saying that Linda is innocent at all. She has obviously been found guilty of murder. I am just left questioning how reliable is this evidence that has been found, especially when we are dealing with someone like Diazen, who is so slippery and slimy, and he is quite capable of planting this evidence. Diazan, for his whole life, has always gotten away with everything that he has done. So I think it's very plausible that Dia was also planning to get away with Gurley's murder. And of course, I am not defending Linda. She has obviously been found guilty of murder. She could be just as culpable for the murder as Dyson. We just don't know. I am just saying that there is a little bit of doubt on the evidence against Linda. And then there is finally one more question that needs answering, which I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, and that is what happened to Dimitri? Because the last we heard, he was in Dyson's care. Well, thankfully, I'm glad that I can say that just before Gurley disappeared in August of 1999, Dimitri was put up for adoption. I think Julie, who was dyson's girlfriend, she was so worried about Dimitri. I think she'd actually managed to get in contact with someone and Dimitri was taken off Diazon. However, when he was placed in the care system, Dimitri went through 13 different families. He definitely had a very rough and tough upbringing and in the end he became an adult not too long ago. He ended up estranged from the 13th family that were looking after him. And he is now making his own way in life. And there is actually a book out there on Dimitri that does detail some of this. And I just really hope that Dimitri is doing okay as well as he can. But finally, I want to end this video talking about Gurley. Gurley Chu was described as a sweet, caring, and loving person. She was incredibly close to her family. She had a ton of great friends. Her faith was incredibly important to her. And she just was someone that would never do anything to harm anyone. When her family back in Malaysia, Found out about her disappearance. They flew straight out to the US to try and help with the investigation, but sadly to this day they are still left with little answers and they are absolutely devastated. Gurley still had her whole life ahead of her. She was only 36 years old. And that brings us to the end of the episode on Diaz and Croft. There are no updates on this case, so thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And if you enjoy the show, it would really mean a lot if you could leave a five-star review. In the meantime, if you have been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.